Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Hiya pals, welcome back to another stonking episode of Shared History Under the Kilt. I'm sorry, a what episode of <laughs> Stonking. It means like jam-packed with stuff. Okay, but I, that's not a, I don't accept that as a word. We're not to that segment yet, you can't do that. Well, that's, that's, that's how we're starting, okay? All right. Well, welcome to, you know it's going to sound great in an American accent. Yeah, you A see it. stonking episode. <laughs> Honky tonkin' stonking episode of Shared History Under the Kilt. I am Adam McNamara. And I'm Natalie Younger, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. You're yeah. great. I'm stonking. <laughs> You're stonking. Um, so uh, for those of you who are maybe just tuning in, Under the Kilt is... Uh, uh, a podcast talking about some random points of Scottish history, stuff that's maybe been forgotten about, and we'll take you down a path of banter and blethers. Yeah, it just turns out that uh, it's a real fucking old country. <laughs> it's been through some shit. Oh my God, it's so old. It's so old. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, we have no idea where each episode will take us. That's why we have wonderful guests here with which to do that. Yes, exactly. And that's that that's that coiled spring. Like, what have they brought? Mm-hmm. We don't and know. No, exactly. Well, I know, because you know, I always know what's under the kilt. So what is under the kilt? Uh, just a wee dram of whiskey. See, now, that's actually a decent thing to have. I guess that actually makes sense, too, because, like, you could, you, you, you have, like, a flask. I could have a flask, a hip flask. Yeah. Although, wouldn't that normally be in the sporin? That would be in the sporin. Not mine. Mine's in a garter belt around my thigh. Well, I mean, you know what, Nat? Even that is makes sense. Out of all the things that you usually say, <laughs> I mean, this whiskey is actually a decent call. Okay, well, I'm offended on behalf of everything else that I keep <laughs> under my kilt. <laughs> it's a busy kilt, I'll be honest with you. It's a really big kilt. They had to make it with extra fabric. It's a very Mary Poppins uh, carpet bag situation where you just reach under the kilt and there's so much stuff. Here's a here's a here's a little thing that I'm going to admit to you and our uh, wonderful guest is that when I got my kilt measured, um, I um, I was told that I had a heavy seat, right? And I was like, what, "What have you just said? I've got a big arse." And the, and the guy the guy was like, "Yeah," and I had to uh, have an extra yard. An extra y- now that sounds massive, but it all concertinas up, it all folds up, just so my kilt would sit right. So there you go, talking about making your kilts bigger. It's canon now. Adam's got a big ass. <laughs> That's what's under my kilt. But can we discuss what's actually under the kilt? Fine, only because I know he wants to join and talk about your big ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so our guest today was born and bred in Glasgow. 
in Scotland, and he won a scholarship to study acting at Mount View Theatre School in London. So I think he can hold a tune. I can hold um, a tune. <laughs> <laughs> with dozens of screen credits to his name and a CV boasting. Directors such as Guy Ritchie, Christopher Nolan. He's also shared the screen with Glenn Close, Anne Hathaway, Gary Oldman, Danny Glover. Yeah. I love Tom when Hardy Adam and discovers Jason. something new in the middle <laughs> of reading the introduction. Yeah, listen, do you know what I just found out about Danny Glover? He was younger than me in Lethal Weapon 1. And all he spent the time doing was, I'm too old for this shit. And I was like, fucking hell, I'm older than Danny Glover was. When he was too film. old for that shit. <laughs> he was too old for that shit. Um, what, else about, what else about our guest? He's 19 tattoos. 19. Most of them with a Scottish theme. All on his enormous trapezius. <laughs> <laughs> well, 19 tattoos only take up a tiny section of his peck. <laughs> um, and he has got a beautiful wee daughter called Alba, which means Scotland in Gaelic. And, and currently... Uh, our guest is writing um, a film called A Darker Game, which I'm sure he will talk to us about. Without further ado, folks, our guest today is the legend, Cameron Jack. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> can, I, can you do some sound effects like a, like <laughs> a <laughs> canned, la canned laughter? Um, so listen, I've got a confession to make. Oh. I want to talk about a lot of different shit. Right, but I just cleaned my specs with a pair of boxer shorts um, because I have no like little cleaners for my specs. So um, that's the first thing that you need to know. But when Thanks I go out that. with my kilt, no boxers. <laughs> Guys, I'm Cameron Jack. I was born and bred. No, no. Um, this, I feel like this, ep this episode is like the OnlyFans <laughs> version of Under the Kill already. Like we're talking about Adam's ass. Yeah. Where you're cleaning your glasses with so, boxer briefs. Yeah, yeah. We um, we're very, very comfortable with each other. Yeah. So that's yeah. what they call it, ads. They say you've got a big what is it? Ooh, a heavy, big seat. A heavy, heavy seat. seat. Heavy seat, wow. yeah. Yeah. Because when you said that, and I thought, if you put an extra yard in, oh, I'm being serious here, that's okay. even more even more heat in it. Like, it yeah. makes it thicker, and yeah. that is not pleasant in the summertime. No, not exactly. Yeah. But I have to say, I did one of the first things I noticed about you when we met many years ago, I thought, what a fine-looking man, but that is the biggest ass I've ever seen <laughs> in, in London in the 25 years that I've been here. And that's that's that was my lingering memory until we met again. I thought, and then you're like, me, that there is, it a, is there. Big, that is a big ass. <laughs> now I'm just imagining the worst pies in London from yeah, Sweeney Todd, but the yeah. like the biggest ass in London. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a good shout. I think somebody should write that. <laughs> well, do you know what? I, I was saying on the last episode there um, that when I listen back to myself and I just hear myself laughing all the time that it's annoying yeah. and I annoy myself. <laughs> and already I just know this episode is just going to... Yeah. I'm, I'm annoyed already. <laughs> At both you, me and Natalie. Can I just can I just tell you a wee bit about the tattoos, right? Because yeah, go I'm going to just lead this fucking thing, right? I'm go for it. Um, Thank you. I don't want to so, have to work. So, so let me tell you. I think, I think when I I left Glasgow in 1992, and I made a decision to be the most patriotic Scotsman in London. Hence the tattoos. Hence Alba being called Alba. So the tattoos, for example, I've got the lyrics to a beautiful song called Caledonia, 
tattooed on my ribs. I've got the lyrics to Scotland the Brave tattooed on this right bicep, which is my housev. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got a number of Scottish tattoos. I've got the Scottish Rugby Union thistle on my shoulder, and it's just it's just I think it was homesickness really that made me just go. I'm just going to fucking stamp myself with loads of stuff so that people know where I'm from. Yeah, well, I'm glad you did that because nobody would ever know. <laughs> no, no, because I'm quite subtle when I speak. <laughs> yeah. I thought I better let people know exactly exactly where I'm from. And there's <laughs> something else that I want. And watch Adam throw up. Oh. I detest whiskey. Oh, fuck yeah. More for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what he does? Like, I'll, I'll put something up on my social media about whiskey or something like that, and then he'll text me and go like that. It's great mixed with Coke. Or it's, yeah. it's great with some iron brew. And I'm like, fuck off, fuck Adam off. will go, this is a really peaty malt from the islands. And I'll go, why don't you put some fucking lemonade in it? And he goes nuts. He goes nuts. I had a really bad experience. I drank a quarter bottle of Teachers, which is a, a, a cheap whiskey, Yeah. when I was 16 at a party. And oh. I was... I fell on top of a girl um, that I was cuddling. Uh-huh. And I fell on top of her, and then the next thing I remember was waking up with my mum hitting me with a slipper, <laughs> saying that I'd been sick in the kitchen and the bathroom. And so, guys, that is why I don't like whiskey. And my mates go, "Oh, this is so beautiful." Like, it, but it all, it all makes me feel sick. Just, yeah, it's it terrible. Takes you back. It's terrible. I'm like, a, I'm like, I'm a disgrace to the Scottish race. <laughs> So that's whiskey and tattoos. That's a bit strong. Are we I'm done? Just, I'm Are a we disgrace. Done? I have a follow-up question to the tattoos. Yes. So lots of song lyrics. Yeah. Um, where on your body are the lyrics to I'm Gonna Be by the Proclaimers? Us. Got yeah. it. <laughs> Us, yeah. Because that's okay. where I'm gonna be. <laughs> I just need, I needed to know. Most days. Yeah, um, I don't have any proclaimers on there. I mean, I'm a massive fan, Scottish. That's the only reason I wore these specs, which I claim <laughs> in my pants. So, massive, massive proclaimers fan, but nothing jumps out at me. Caledonia is about homesickness. Scotland the Braves are kind of war cry. Yeah, and I've got Alba Gubrath, which means Scotland forever, which I actually had before Alba was born. And we were struggling to come up with names when Alba was born. And Maisie said, why don't we call her Alba? And I thought, yes. Yeah. Did you cry a little bit? We love it. No, I know. I love the name. I just love the name. I love the name anyway, but I love the fact that it means it means where I'm from. Yeah. But I have noticed there's a few more Albas turning up over the over the last few months. Names getting more common. Yeah. But still, I mean, it's, it's still, it still seems to be quite rare anyway. Yeah, not, yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, you, uh, you know, Alba's the only Alba that I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know the rules. Um, they're all going to have to fight. Yeah, totally. Because <laughs> you know. there can only be one. Yeah, there can be only one. And she's not allowed out till she's 30. <laughs> Let's just get that fucking pinned down. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> so Cameron, yeah. I never call you that. It's so weird. No, no, no. Just call but me Cameron. Consider, considering you've stipulated that we call you Cameron or Mr. Jack. Don't, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Jack. Sir, sir, you know, lo- layered, layered of Glasgow. So um, where, about in, where about in Glasgow uh, are you actually from? Like, where, where were you born and where did you grow up? Yeah, so mum and dad, the weird thing is, for somebody as patriotic as me, I've never actually done the whole family tree thing. So I only really know about Gran and Grandad and where they're Granny and Granda, as we called them. So Dad was from Maryhill, 
And okay. mum was from a wee place called Temple, and I used to shite myself going up to see my granny because it was full of fucking bams. And I'd get sent, I'd get sent for twenty regal king size to the shops, and it's the first time I heard somebody say to me, "This is fucking true." And I remember I had black corduroy dungarees on. I must have been about eight. All right, Urwale. Yeah, yeah, Urwale. <laughs> 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 well, um, and I must have looked like an absolute fud to these kids outside my granny's street. And she gave me, like, money to go and get the, the fags, right? So, so I I walked... I used to be honestly fucking terrified going to my granny's. She stayed in a really rough street with loads of what we call windy hangers. It's like old women and men, like, just hanging out their windies, watching everything that was going on. I uh, I took the money to go to the wee shop up the road and a kid, it must have been about five or six, said to me, I'm going to boot your boss. And I was the first time I ever heard that phrase, but I knew that wasn't fucking going to end well for me. <laughs> so that's, that's where my granny lived. She lived in Temple, which, as they say in, in modern times, is regenerated, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Dad's, Dad's from Mary Hill, which is where the police station was in the show Taggart. <laughs> Which I appeared in in 1998. Thank you, as a drug dealer. So, and that's where your career started. And that's that's where it, that's where my career finished. So, but we were raised. We were raised in a place called Partick. Okay. And Partick's famous for two things. One is it was where Billy Conley was born and raised. He went to St Peter's Primary in Partick. And the other thing is the football team, Partick Thistle. So, which is a kind of, um, I think, for people that don't live in Scotland. Partick Thistle just seems to jump out at people in some way. So that's really what it's famous for. Billy Conley described it as a wee fishing village by the Clyde. But let me tell you, there was a degree of irony in what he was saying there. It's a real working class area. And I've said this on, you know, various things that I've been interviewed on. I fucking love going back there because it's a real it's a real gallows humour. Yeah. Uh, you get absolutely slated for, you know for your uh, the fact that you left in 1992 and i just <laughs> i just love the people but it's a place that's full of character i've yeah. never really been anywhere else where i've felt you know kind of so at home so that's where that's where we were raised well when i go back to dundee i got i've got yeah. some pals who go still doing the acting <laughs> aye, aye, aye. you still uh, you still doing the acting aye aye are you doing are you doing uh, are you doing any lines yet do you get to speak now um, yeah, three years at drama school, 26 years in. <laughs> thanks for you know, checking. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks. Well, the drinks oh. are on you then if you're saying words. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they get, I think I think a lot of people get mixed up between an actor and a, a supporting artist. We, yeah. we used to call them extras, but they don't like it now. So, so I, I think some people think it's the same skill set and nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. So I do get that, yeah. Are you saying lines now? Are you yeah. sure that they're not just like basing it on the fact that I don't know, like what your first five ten credits? They were just like, okay, and then Cameron, please just like flex menacingly yeah, yeah, yeah. in the yeah, background. Yeah. Great. Well, that's... that could be that could you could be bang on there. The uh, <laughs> there has been talk of that. Yes. Um, yeah. It's just I get I get I get the piss ripped out of me, and I love it. I love it. So that's party, but Glasgow. Glasgow's played a massive part in my life, but I felt, and Adam and I have had discussions about this, I felt 
in '92 when the opportunity. Listen, I was I was fucking useless. I was useless with my hands. My dad worked in the shipyards. My brother worked in the shipyards. My dad was a welder. Brother was a plater. They had they had all that. They had those skills. I was useless with my hands. I wasn't academic. So I just I, I just needed to find something that I that I I thought I didn't really give a fuck about anybody else, but something that I thought I was good at. And I did stuff as an amateur, and a couple of people said, you should you should try and do this. And at the time, and I don't think this is the case anymore, I felt I had to go to London. So that's that's really what, what brought me there. Yeah. And then, yeah, I spent three years there. Honestly, on I thought I would come straight back. If you'd have said to me then I would be there, you know, 29 years later, I would have laughed in your face, but we're still here. Yeah. But I, I've said to many people, the next big, you know, there's going to be a huge explosion. It's already happening. It's going to be a huge explosion of TV and film happening in the United Kingdom. The studios going up left, right and centre. But aesthetically, nowhere looks like Scotland. And I think it's going to be a very, very busy place over the next sort of 15, 20, 30 years. I think Scotland... Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. stu the studio's pinging up everywhere, aren't they? Everywhere, in Scotland. yeah. Well, there's, we're spending a billion quid. I say we. A billion quid is Cameron being spent. Cameron Jack is personally spending. Yeah. yeah. Adam will tell you, I'm very good of you. I'm loaded, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're building studios in Hertfordshire and Dagenham. One's 300 million, one's 700 million. But I just think, I think Scotland's going to be so busy just because of the way it looks. And also, I have to say, and I'm not just saying this because Adam's here, the talent is unbelievable. The crews, the producers, the directors, the writers, the actors, you know, from, from you know, executive producer down to runner, nobody does it like the Scots. And I think I think it's going to be a, a hugely important place for films. In the do, you know, do you know, there's, there's, there's people, that my friends who ask about the industry, they didn't know that how many Scots are in charge of film sets, like in Hollywood. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know... Like I mean, I mean, for instance, when I was doing the Cursed Child um, mm -hmm. in the West End, there was three Dundonians on that, on that, like including yeah. myself. There was yeah. the, the sound was ran by Dundonians, yeah. yeah, and um, and it's like people are like, really? I've found it on every, every single job I've done. Mm. Like, there's always Scots there, and as you say, often quite, often quite elevated in, in position. Like first as well. ads and, and stuff. Yeah, I think I think. For such a small country, there's a lot of high achievers. The job that I'm on at the moment, I was sort of milling around on, on Friday. Mm -hmm. And one of the ADs came in, and it was a lad that I did a short film with in, in Glasgow a couple of years ago. So they, they kind of... I think with Scots, there's a real... We don't mind travelling. We don't uh -huh. mind sort of getting out there and, and mixing it up. And it's always lovely when you turn up on a job and you hear a Dundonian accent or, yeah. you know, it, I don't think I've ever done a job, TV or film, where there hasn't been some some, some Scottish influence at some place in the in the project. It's brilliant. So what, what is it you're doing just now then? You, can you say? I can't really say. Okay. Yeah, it's... Be like that then. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. Um, and I'm not it's doing a, a lot in it. I'm not doing a lot in it. But uh, this whole thing, I mean, you'll know about this, Natalie, but, but this whole NDA, non-disclosure agreement thing, has been something that's been really common now for a good five years. Yeah. But it never used to be a thing. And you used to speak freely, but I think 
this project I'm working on, Apple are producing it. Right. Okay. And I think I, I think the NDA uh, there are lawyers all over everything. So so I'm very mindful now about talking about stuff. Whereas I never used to really feel that there would be any pressure on me for sort of revealing a few details. But this particular one is, I'm going to say to you, it probably be the biggest TV show of the last, we've got Lord of the Rings coming out as well, which is also coming back to the UK from New Zealand. So that's going to be massive. But this job is, the budget's $500 million. Wow. So it's, um, it's pretty big. I can tell you that the director I just worked with on it just directed the last James Bond film. I'm on there two days. It's one of those things that I was kind of, I thought I'd really like to do that. Uh, the one thing I will say is it's the new Band of Brothers. That's what it is. Right. Yeah. Wait, wait a minute though. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's, that's what some people are saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I don't mean to sound like a wanker. I'm just, I'm mindful that I'm... Oh no, no, of know, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember. I remember I had an audition for quite a big, a big film, and uh, and I, and I'd been learning the script for a week. It wasn't yeah. the, the script from the film. You know when they, sometimes they give you sides, dummy, yeah, dummy, the dummy sides, sides yeah. of a film. That's like, I yeah. think it was the I was reading for the town that, that Ben Affleck film. Oh but wow! That was obviously already made. And, uh, and and I, and I I I learned the sides for that, and then I turned off. Yeah. And this was a week after getting the the edition. The and then when yeah. I went through the door, they were like, here's an NDA <laughs> not to talk about it. And I was like, ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've told my I've told my mom, I've told my dad, I've told my, I put it on the internet, it's on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, the dummy sides thing's a weird one, because I got dummy sides for the Batman film. And they told us when we went in, we were told it was a low-budget superhero film shooting in Bulgaria on a $10 million budget. And they do, they're kind of, they're really scrupulous about any leaks. Yeah. And that's and that's what the ND, NDAs are really. It, it's to make sure that you don't give any information out, particularly related to script or character. Yeah. But I do know a lot of people who sign NDAs and don't do a thing to kind of heed them. They just put, we've got a mate, bless her, you know, she, as we say, you know, in Scotland, she's as bright as a blackout. She um she'll put the she'll do the audition with the NDA and put it up on the internet. Hi guys, this is my latest audition, and we're like, that's the new, that's the new Purge film. Yeah, fucking dafty. Yeah, dafty. You're gonna get sued. Oh my um, god. Yeah, yeah. But some people are just the vanity takes over, and you mm -hmm. and you kind of think, I want to let everybody know I'm up for a big job, but it means it means shit unless yeah. you get yeah. the fucking job. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like it's 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 so that when she goes home and all of her mates at home are like, "Are oh, you still doing the acting thing?" She yeah. she, she could just point to her YouTube yeah. page. Yeah, yeah. Here's an audition for the Purge. Yeah. Seven. <laughs> um, time out. Flag on the pl that's the wrong football. Uh, we're just gonna <laughs> take a quick time out for uh. For a second to play everyone's favorite game. No, not the beautiful game, which we're already talking about. Uh, but everyone's favorite real game for real is Talking Scots. <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, it is, it's a great game. It's it's, it's everybody's favorite. I've never played it, but it's great. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> you'll enjoy it. I hope you're wearing a cup because it gets, uh, it's full contact. <laughs> the way that this works 
Cameron and listeners is Cameron, our wonderful guest, is going to give us a word of Scots and our producer, Kathleen, will join us for this segment. Say hello, Kathleen. Hello, Kathleen. Very good. You take direction very well. And she and I, as the Americans that we are, will try to under- to guess what the word means. And we will be wrong. Oh, I'm coming off a high wind from last time. I know, I know. It's, I can only go down from here. So Cameron, what is our word today? Your word today, troops, is shugle. Shugle? Mm. Is, is it some sort of like bakery item? It is it a tasty delightful. sweet? No. Is it a tasty sweet? You've brightened it with the guesses, though, straight off yeah, the bat. Well, in. thank God I got one one time. Could you word. spell it for us? Yes, please. S-H. Right, let's do the Scottish spelling, uh, way we spell uh, things in Scotland. S for shite. <laughs> H for whore. <laughs> o for oh fuck. O for oh fuck. G for geese piece. <laughs> L for... Leave it. E for Ecky. <laughs> this is the best way to spell. S-H-O-O-G-L-E. Shugle. Okay, now this sounds like something that we would say to Clive the seagull. We would tell Clive... The scurry, Clive, you mean the scurry. Yes, we would tell Clive to shugle. Yeah. <laughs> shugle out of here. Mm-hmm. Or, sh- uh, it... I know better because I do know how to tap dance, but I want to say it's a it's a tap dance step, which would be no. so appropriate because, you know, Scotland, land of tap dance, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And unicorns. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you could wrong. you give it? Could you let us know what part of speech it is? Is it a verb, noun, adjective? I could tell you that, but I don't know because I wasn't very academic. It's a word. That... Is it a describing word? Is it a person, place or thing? Is it an action? It's an action. That's a okay. really good... Thanks for bailing me out there, Kathleen. It's a verb. I've written a screenplay and I couldn't tell you the difference between a verb and adverb. <laughs> nice. And Who says a, you need school? And a herb. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get my guess out of the way. I, like, everything I always come back to is mm. like shugle, like a snuggle. I'm going to give you a little shugle. You seem to think that the Scots are have a lot of words for snuggling. Well, the, We've established that they have a lot of words for historically, rain. Historically, yeah. they're uh, a very a cuddly, cuddly, a very cuddly uh, nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I hear, I hear where that guess is coming. I already know that it's not shooing something, so I'm going to say that to shoogle something is. I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to say it's to like beat it up. Okay, wait, wait. I have another guess because we can't always be cuddling. Um, okay. I can't will we? say I will say that it's like hustling. I'm gonna shugle you okay. in pool. Uh, 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 maybe maybe Cameron can give us it in a sentence. Mm. <clears throat> Here we go. Cameron, do you know what a sentence is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, just um, checking. It's what you get when you go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Rent um, a thug. Rent a thug. <laughs> Talk about that another time. The prison. <laughs> um, so, here's the sentence. <clears throat> Your jacket is on a sugarly peg. Oh, a wobbly? Okay. Like You're... wobbly, not not Like found... shaky? Yeah, yes. shaky. Yes. Wobbly yes. and shaky yes. are the same thing. Yeah. So, it's, do you want me to tell you? Yeah. 
Right, sure. so if you sugar something, you shake it, yeah? Um, other or ones could it. be wobble it. Right, so little kids, when their teeth fall out, your teeth, your tooth would be sugarly for a few oh. days before it came out. <laughs> it means shake. It means yeah. shake. Sugar shake. Wiggly. Yeah. Yeah. Adds any, anything So it's you a tie is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, just like, you know, oh, I kind of get the sauce out the bottle, get a sugar. Get a sugar. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's how you would actually describe um, Adam's gait because of the weight of his ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would sugar. When Adam's milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, his milk sugar. Here's another sentence Adam's heavy seat would sugar <laughs> in an earthquake. <laughs> there we go. Yep, there it is. Yeah. I will I will call that a tie. <laughs> Back to the episode. But anyway, anyway, listen. So, yeah. shared history under the kilt. Cameron yes. Jack, Thank why you. are you here? So, I'm here because I'm getting paid a shitload of money. Um, or at least... From? Uh, what? Um, <laughs> Apple, Apple will pay me money. Yeah, so so obviously I've heard about the podcast. I am here to talk about Scottish football and our obsession with it, both healthy and unhealthy. Did I Excellent. do that well? Are you quite yes. happy with that? Very, very good. Yeah, I it's very clear. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I've been healthily obsessed with football. I know where the line is. I know where uh-huh. the line is. I know when, and I think I know where the line is with regards to talking about it obsessively, but it's a very, very Scottish obsession. And I think we're unique with our uh, kind of underachievement uh, at major tournaments. Yeah. I, I've been all over Europe watching Scotland. Um, that's obviously my national team. My club team is Glasgow is. Rangers because when, oh, I was, yeah. uh, when I was 10, the, the thing about... I don't know about you, Ads, but my I know you love your rugby and I don't yeah. think you're a massive football fan, are you? Um, you have an interest in it, but nothing major. Yeah, I think it's because I, my, my stepdad like f- like kind of forced me into it. So yes, like I played yeah. for two teams and I had to yeah, go yeah. and see the football, like the Dundee and yeah. and I just and I and when my mum when he and my mum split up, I took yeah. that opportunity to disengage from Soccer. Yeah, yeah, totally understandable. Did you just say soccer? Don't yeah, I said soccer. pander. Soccer. Don't pander. <laughs> my dad didn't have a huge interest in football. My brother did, but my dad felt because he was a good dad, he wanted mm. he wanted me to experience it for myself to see if it was something that I would take to. So he took me to Ibrooks. We were kind of we were always going to be a Rangers family just because of where we were and, and how we were raised and stuff. So I went when I was nine or ten and I I saw, it was a testimonial for a player called Davy Cooper who tragically died when he was 39. He was one of the greatest players of his generation. But I sat there and we were playing Ajax, the Dutch team. And I was kind of, I think I was captivated by the kind of show business of it. You know, the kind of like, testimonials tend to be friendly and not heated. But I just remember thinking, oh, you do something and people either scream that you're shit or give you a round of applause. How fascinating. So my dad, despite not being interested in it, was just willing to give me the opportunity. My dad, my dad and my brother were terrible, terrible footballers. And I was shockingly bad as a kid to my, you know, to my absolute 
discussed because it, it was a real status thing. When you were at school, if you were good at football, you were popular, you were more popular with girls, you were kind of lauded. You know, playing the Apple Dodger and Oliver was never quite as cool as scoring a hat trick. You were trying to impress the wrong yeah. girls then. Yeah, 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 totally, yeah. Well, well, you say girls. Um, <laughs> um, so so I, I just used to look at kids that, a mate of mine, one of the funniest dudes I've ever met in my life, a mate of mine, Scott McKenzie, was a very, very good professional footballer. And I was raised with Scott. And Scott was Scott was always considered special because of what he could do with a football. And I knew that if I wanted to be reasonably good at it, I would have to work really fucking hard. And I did, and I ended up playing at a reasonably decent level down south. But I loved playing it. I loved watching it. The only real passion I have now is not at club level, it's at international level. And what I love about watching Scotland is that when you have gone to, I've written a wee list of the countries that I've been to to watch my Bonnie Scotland. I've been to Germany, I've been to Belgium, I've been to the Czech Republic, I've been to Holland, I've been to Norway, I've been to Lithuania. There's a couple more in there. I've watched them at Wembley, playing the English. Uh, I didn't do that. I mean, you can't say that. You can't fucking say that. Was that was a sound effect. Um, yeah, that was a sound effect. That was, that was done in, in post. <laughs> Yeah, so, so what I love about watching the international team is all that club shit, whether you're a Dundee or a Dundee United fan, and Adam will back me up on this, there's a very strange thing in Dundee. The two teams, yeah, Dundee and Dundee United, are practically, they're practically right next to each other, both stadiums. Yeah. They're just across the road from each other, which is <laughs> highly unusual. Normally, this shows you how fucking hard Dundonians are. They're like... Uh, let's just fucking put them next to each other. See what happens. Yeah. They're just like, let's, oh, they're going to brawl. They're going <laughs> to brawl. Did, yeah, if you we'll just make that, it easier. Yeah, I've been to both. I went to Den's Park. I must tell you a quick story. When I was about 11 or 12, there was a gangster in Glasgow called The Hawk. Um, <laughs> where's this going? Where's the, where the fuck is this going? The, the Hawk. Hawk. My, my, my brother was The Hawk's best man at his wedding, right? And I remember going to Dens Park on the Rangers bus, leaving from Partick. And uh, the Hawk's like, have you got any fucking money on you? And I'm like, my mum's my gave me a couple of pounds. He went, you're not fucking paying to get in. I'm going to throw you over the fence. Um, and when I got there, <laughs> when I got there, I literally went up to the turnstiles and this wee man for Dundee was like, that'll be £3.50. He just went, he's not fucking paying. And he literally threw me over the turnstile. Many years later, this is completely irrelevant, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I was working for Glasgow uh, City Council in Maryhill Careers Office, trying to tell people what to do with their lives when I didn't have a fucking clue what I was going to do with mine. <laughs> and uh, one of the staff, one of the careers officers, been to uni and stuff, said, so where are you from, Cameron? I said, I'm from party. He went, do you know the hawk? I went, aye. I said, my brother was a hawk's best man. He went, I need to avoid you. This guy did not come near me for the, for the, like, the duration of the two years we worked together. He was like, that, that wee guy knows the hawk. I don't know what became of the hawk. I thought that story was going to be the guy. He went, you got, you owe me 350. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was. I gave him 350. <laughs> Do they call your brother the sparrow? Is that what No, they just call him the, the, the shite hawk. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's a Marvel superhero that I've yeah, not yeah. heard of. So, so, <laughs> <The shite hawk. laughs> 
That's the new. That's the new Marvel superhero, the Shite Hawk, played by Adam McNamara of Dundee. <laughs> Just run, um, runs in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Shite Hawk is actually a bird. I don't know if you know that, but that is a true story. And I'm going to come on in a few weeks and talk about that and James <laughs> Conley. So, um, <laughs> so, so the club thing. Well, I'll just, I said I'd go off in 63 different directions. The club thing, I'll tell you what's really interesting. Now, Natalie, you won't know this, I wouldn't think. You may, because it is notorious. But Rangers in Glasgow are the Protestant team, traditionally, and Celtic in Glasgow are the Catholic team. So so there's a lot, this is the understatement in a century, there's a lot of animosity, which is a kind of double-edged sword because when you go to one of these games, the sort of sectarianism and the religious poison of it, it kind of cranks the atmosphere up to an insane place. And anybody, any professional footballer from anywhere in the world, be it a Messi or Ronaldo or a Wayne Rooney, they say when they go to these games or play in these stadiums, it's like... It's like an insane sort of energy from the crowd. But as I say, it's a double-edged sword. But what was interesting it was that when I was a kid, I was raised with a lot of kids who were who were very boldly proclaiming to be Protestant. You know, the Rangers top, you know, the Union Jack tattoo, you know, singing songs, joining, you know. We call the sectarianism in Scotland, Scotland shame. And it, and it really is. It's it's a real stain on our society. Yeah, I think, you know, I think as a nation we're better than that, but we have some people who want to live in the past. So so my mum, who was quite a scary, is quite a scary wee woman, my mum said to me, there's no fucking way on God's earth you're leaving this house with a Celtic or a Rangers top on, because she knew it was like a, a kind of magnet for trouble. Mm-hmm. Wear one of those, you're, gonna, you're probably going to get into a fight. So we had an agreement that she would buy me whatever I wanted, football related, but it just wouldn't be merchandise from either of those two clubs. So I had a Partick Thistle top, I had a Scotland top, I had an Aberdeen top for a while, and it kind of opened my mind up to the the other teams in Scotland because I wasn't allowed to obsess about that one thing because my mum thought it would be very unhealthy and she was fucking bang on. Yeah. And so so the the, the sort of religious bigotry that comes with it you know, is it's it's very very frightening, and I got caught up in it as a as a teenager. But when I left, on reflection, probably three, four, five years later, I was like, I don't really understand what that's about. And I still go back, you know, and I have mates that are still kind of obsessed with that whole Catholic Protestant thing on both sides. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's hugely unhealthy. With the national team, as I said, you don't get any of that. You can have Rangers fans and Celtic fans and Aberdeen fans, Dundee United fans, Wraith Rovers fans, Partick Thistle fans. When you go and watch Scotland, you're there to celebrate being a member of the Tartan Army. Yeah. The colour, the you know, the banter, the 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 songs, the the kind of unity of travelling as a Scotland supporter is something that I mean I didn't go I think the first place I went to, went to was Belgium to watch uh you know those all those countries are listed. This yeah. is how pish we are. The only place I ever saw them win was Lithuania. <laughs> they won three 0 on a on an astroturf pitch. But it wasn't about it wasn't necessarily about going to see them, you know, reign victorious because we weren't we've had a lot of talented players over the over the decades from the 20s and 30s to, 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 we've got some fantastic players now 
But when you go and watch Scotland, it's really about the experience. And that was something that I loved. And I loved the fact that there was no sort of club animosity. So so I'm left at uh, 27 years of age. No, 49 years of age. <laughs> I'm left at 49 years of age really with just a passion for Scotland and a kind of apathy about some of the other aspects of Scottish football. But I have to, I have to confess, because I, I, I stood in that stadium with my dad at 10, at 9 or 10, I will always have a soft spot for Glasgow Rangers. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, well, what, what, what do they say when Scotland, uh, no Scotland, no party? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, it's true. Because that's, that's the atmosphere yeah, that the, yeah. the Scots bring. Yeah, we do. Wherever we, we do. go. Yeah, and for many years we qualified, you know, we qualified for five World Cups in a row. But I don't think the tournaments are the same without without Scotland. I think uh -huh. I think just the national dress. I mean, I would say, you know, 95% of the crowd wear whatever their tartan is. And I've never found, I, I've found when, you know, when, when we go to these places, all those countries I've mentioned, I've never felt anything other than welcome because there's a real positive energy being a Scotland fan and a little bit of gallows humour because we are getting better now, thank God. We've just qualified. Uh, we just played in a major tournament. We're going for the World Cup qualifiers again. But it's better when we're there. You know, we bring a lot to, we bring a lot to the party. But it's also frustrating because I wish we were better than, than than we are. But I've always loved it. And I think I think one of the things that I'm passionate about when I when I go and watch Scotland and when I watch club football, you know, it's it when I was at school, you know, rugby, cricket, tennis, golf, you had to have fucking money to play those games. Yeah. You did. They were middle class. Cricket sports. though. Cricket, I know, I know. Um, but ironic, I mean my twenty-first birthday party was this is a weird coincidence my 21st birthday party was in the west of scotland cricket club which my mum and dad were members of it's just cheap drink that's why they were members <laughs> but that was the venue for the very first international between scotland and england in the 1800s so it's just a massive part of the the culture but it's a working class sport you know it's yeah. it's a sport of the working man and i think that's what drew me to it i had mates you know who were members of tennis clubs but their dad's own businesses, you know. If you played rugby, you, you usually had a few quid. So so for kids like me, football was your only option, either playing yeah. it or watching it. Yeah. Here, yeah. you know, here's the thing with Rangers, right? I I grew up uh, supporting Dundee, right? Mm -hmm. I was a junior dark blue. Right? Were you? Yeah. Ah. And, uh, why, not, why not United? I Family. don't know, because yeah. like like every football every football team, it's like religion, right? You're that that's the team you're going to support because that's yeah. the team that the family support. So yeah. I, I I had friends who were United fans, and there was me who was a Dundee fan, and yeah. uh, so I used to go. It was a junior dark blue, and my favourite player was John Brown. Oh my God! And, well, he was and, one of my favourite players. Yeah, because he went to Rangers. He did, but he was the hardest <laughs> man in football, mate. I know, and oh and I, I remember we had an open day, we had an open day at yeah. Dens Park, and he was there, I had number eight ironed on my back, right? I was like, and then he came and spoke to me, and I was like, <gasps> like oh just God. in awe of him, and then like yeah. literally about a month later, he got transferred to Rangers, and I was yeah. absolutely gutted. Yeah, but he probably quadrupled his wages. He, um, <laughs> John Brown, I'm glad you brought him up, John Brown was one of my favourite players, he was... He was like literally held together by pins. 
Yeah. He was he'd so many injuries. He was an absolute warrior. And whatever club he played for, he really he, the badge meant a lot. And he was so hard, John Brown. Yeah. And he's one of he's one of those players, even the name. John Brown. He's one of those players that when you, you know... I mean, you if you say to, any name like that... Yeah, John Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rumble Stoltzkin. It works. Derek Fazakerly. <laughs> so Brown, Brown would be in your top 10 hardest Rangers players like 30 years after he stopped playing. He was yeah. just a machine and he was so passionate. But for me, Johnny Brown always underachieved in his career. I always felt... Had he not had the injuries, he could have been. He could have played at any level. John Brown. There's a yeah. reason why he was your favourite player and why he was my favourite player. He could have played for Liverpool, Man United. He was that good. The the reason I'm asking ads about the the Dundee thing is because when you were growing up, United were smashing it in, in oh. all over European football and yeah. winning the league. Yeah. 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 And I and I and I've supported the the other the team. underdog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, all, I'm an underdog. That's it. Underdog. But historically, Dundee were an incredible team, you know, decades and decades before with great players like Gordon Wallace and people like that and Alan Gilzean was at, was at Dundee. But United in the 80s were incredible. Yeah. Getting to European finals and stuff. So, ma'am, do you know Robin Lane? You know Robin yes. Lane? The, Robin Lane's a huge Dundee United fan. You should get him on. He's a really interesting boy and will be far more eloquent than me about a number of things, including James Conley, etc. And so basically, <laughs> it's a running gag, guys. a running gag. <laughs> and so basically, Robin... I, I, I just remember, you know... Working with Robin in the mid-90s as Dundee, sort of, Dundee United sort of came off the end of that incredible sort of run of, of you know being like world beaters and getting to you know European finals and stuff but getting back to the working class thing it's it's the same in Liverpool you know you've got Liverpool you've got Everton Dundee you've got Dundee Dundee United Rangers you've got sorry Glasgow you've got Rangers Celtic Partick Thistle Clyde Queen's Park all those big industrial cities have at least two clubs yeah and it's it's a lifeblood for people. They're really important to the communities. But I just I just go back to that thing. I, I do think club football can be unhealthy, and I don't get that when I travel abroad to watch um, to watch Scotland. It's much more about camaraderie, yeah, colour, you know, fun, yeah. which is not a word used in football very much. Well, and it makes me um, well. So I on a on a side tangent, I would say that that's maybe maybe I'm a little bit more on the outside of it. But I, th I think that's part of the reason why people look at America and say, like, oh, the United States of America. Like, the normal citizen of America doesn't watch soccer. They don't watch football. No, they're whatever. I mean, they've got so many sports, though. But also, but also, it's because I, there, I feel like there isn't that club mentality in America. Like, yeah. Where, where like, even even among my friends who are soccer fans, there isn't enough of a culture around it here for them to be like no. getting in brawls about it. It's a very it's a very fast growing sport in the states. So mm -hmm. I mean, oh I yeah, mean, your your leagues, your you know your national your international team have done incredibly well. Our ladies um, are yeah, the, and the ladies best. teams. Yeah, Megan. I was gonna say I only like watch I only yeah. watch women's soccer. Well, they're incredible. Your 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 women's team is remarkable. Yeah. So, so I think, I think for, I'm glad you said that. I mean, for me, there was no other choice. I couldn't afford a tennis club membership. 
And when I, you know, have been to the States a few times, you know, I flick the TV on, there's basketball, there's ice hockey, there's, you know, there's baseball, there's, you know, what you call your football. Weird. So you have a plethora of sports to pick from. Whereas I think, and Adam will back me up on this, I think the real, the, the, the things that Scots get really passionate about, I, I think it's football or rugby. Those are the two things that we we kind of obsess about, you know? Yeah, but uh, strangely, you, you, you're talking about the working class aspect of mm. football. Like, it's like as soon as you can walk, people are putting a football strip on you or like, you know, putting a ball in front of you and yeah. stuff, do you know? Well, and also on like the the camaraderie aspect of it, that it's it's almost like extra sad that it has not devolved, but devolved into like this club mentality of us versus yeah. them for everything. Yeah. Considering like, I assume that what little I know about the history of uh, of football in uh, in soccer. Europe, because many other <laughs> countries and cultures had something very similar to soccer before yeah. Europe did. I don't think that it hit Europe until like medieval mm-hmm. times. Um, whereas like ancient China was playing it like ancient civilizations in South America were playing what you could draw a straight line to soccer, to modern soccer, but it would be more of like a mob football game. Like, like the ball game that we talked about with Jack Adam, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Which, which kind of one blends kind of blurs the line between rugby and soccer because hands are permitted. And two, is literally the whole team, like the whole town playing together, playing against each other, but the whole town playing in one game, which fuels that camaraderie of like uh, this town versus that. No, 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 it's it's, it's right. And I think that's where the the, the kind of, it's the thing that the, um, that we all, uh, you know, have together, which this is football. I mean, there's people who are saying, you know, if, if we cared about, politics as much as we do about football would be yeah. a completely different country because like I you, 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 you can go into, you can go into pubs and some guy will be talking about football like a game from like yeah. 1973 in pure detail about it's who scored converse, when yeah, and what the yeah. manager was and you're just like yeah. what yeah and it's a conversation starter you know in in and in glasgow it's uh, you know what school were you at as in what foot do you kick with? Which is, are you a Catholic or are you a Protestant? Yeah. I was asked those questions many times. Yeah. And it's, yeah, if we were as passionate about politics as we are about football, I think we might be in a better place. Okay, but wait, fo- question, follow-up question. Do Protestants and Catholics actually kick with different feet or was that just like no, a way of a, asking that question? It's a way of asking the question, really. Got it. And it, and it used to be when I was... When I was growing up, it was a question you would get asked at a job interview by a prospective employer. Oh, so it was their way of asking oh, that yeah. question well, you're with, basically because filtering. legally they weren't allowed yeah. to ask that question? Well, you're, you're, filtering, um, you're filtering out the you know the, the people that you don't want in your firm because they kick with the wrong foot. And that, that was what it was like when I was a kid. It really was, you know. Yeah. My dad and my mum were, they were different to, to the other parents. They were always like, you leave that shit out of your job interviews. You don't talk about it. If you're asked about it, you're a neutral. Yeah. Because he didn't want any of my, you know, any of my sort of opportunities to be limited by it. And that's that that was what happened. Getting back to Jack Loudon, Jack's a really unusual football fan because he supports a team 
at a very, very low level. I think he it's does. A he's very, very passionate it's, about it. Yeah, yeah. What team is it again? But he's fascinated by by them and at that because um, I spoke to Jack when we shot Caliber, and it's one of the first things you talk about is football. Again, it's like a thing that makes you gravitate towards each other. And I was fascinated to by his choice to follow a team that because the other thing is we we call them glory hunters. You know, we have people you know in Glasgow that support you know Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea because. They they grew up watching those teams win and win and win. Whereas somebody like Jack would go and regardless of the result, he would still support the team. It's not Bonnie Rig Rose, is it? No. No, no, no. I've, I've just I've just texted him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. He's, he's typing. <laughs> he's that very passionate about it. That never that fascinated. That fascinated me about Jack because you don't meet many people. Broxburn Athletic. Broxburn Athletic. It was Broxburn. Who are a junior team. Yeah, junior as in not kids, as in kind of semi-pro. But that's unusual. I watch Ted Lasso. I understand. Yeah. Well, listen, I love Ted Lasso, and do you know what? Ted Lasso is a love letter to football. It's a real uh, Ted Lasso for me. It's unusual for a, a you know to get a film, uh, sorry, a TV show about football that has a positive spin. But I watch Ted Lasso. I've never missed an episode of it. Do you watch it, Ads? What's that? Ted Lasso. No. No, it's an Apple show with Jason Sudeikis and Juno Temple. It's about an American guy who gets brought to England to coach, having coached American football. He has no clue about soccer. But it's this beautiful. Inf- it's a beautiful show. It's more about positivity and, and being kind to each other. And every time I watch an episode of it, it's like a vitamin shot. I actually had an audition for this series, which I didn't get, and I was gutted because, you know, Adam and I know you, you you don't kind of... It's dangerous to invest yourself in an audition too much. You've got to do the job, but you get that obsessive, oh, I really want to get this, I really want to get this. But when you go for something that's as good as Ted Lasso that you've never missed an episode of, well, you yeah. really think, I'd do this for free, man. I would literally <laughs> go and do this. I, and I think Natalie will agree with me here, you should watch it, dude. It's brilliant. You should 100% watch yeah, it. it's beautiful. I get upset that I cry at it. Like, I get upset that it, I'm like, why? I'm like, this, why do I be feeling, this? it makes me feel everything. I'm glad you brought Lasso up because I hadn't got that on my little list to talk about, but it's beautiful. It's a beautiful show. Whoa, 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 hold the bus a minute. Right, I wanna I wanna just check in on something. You know what I'm gonna ask, right, Nat? You're gonna ask what else I have under my kilt. Nope, I'm gonna ask how your Scottish accent's coming along. Are we calling it that? Well, I mean, I think you're getting close. I mean, you've been to Ireland, you've been probably somewhere over the border. You know, it's getting there. You should I'm be proud. circling the Cundy, and in this point, place, <laughs> yes, you are. the you Cundy are. Is, is Scotland, which I mean, no <laughs> offense to Scotland with that. <laughs> I guess let's introduce, Kath- let's bring Kathleen to her, her microphone. Yes. <sighs> what's, the, what's the sentence? Line. <laughs> well, today's, today's quote is coming from a film that reflects the topic we've been discussing today. Uh, most would think that that would be why one watches that film, but if you're me, you watch it for Jonathan Rhys Myers. The film is Bend It Like Beckham from 2002, and the quote is, 
lesbian. Her birthday's in March. I thought she was a Pisces. Great, great film. Oof it up. All right. We're yeah, here we go. Yeah. Lesbian. Her birthday's in March. I thought she was a Pisces. Yep, Irish. <laughs> very Irish. I tried to do Bard Day, but it's very difficult. No. Can I just say you said les- lesbian, very Scottish. I thought so as well. I saw I saw Cameron's face, and then it all went. And wrong. then it all went. I down. have heard. I have heard far, far worse. I love that. That's that's the best. That's. Always, that's yeah. All right, Cameron needs to go back and listen to like episode one to see where we've come from. <laughs> I have heard really badness. That is not even in the Bard day. But if I, you do you actually hit your th? Yeah, yeah birthday. It sounds like an F though on my end. Birthday. Okay, well, thank you for birthday. showing me your tongue. <laughs> birthday. Is there yeah, we hit a, TH. a regional accent in Scotland that doesn't? That made me think that it would be oh, not... Certain, Bur- some, working cla- some working class class regions might say birthday. Birthday. Buff. Buff. But it would be grammatically incorrect. It would be... We, we generally hit a TH on that word. Today I learned. It's not an I, it's a U at the beginning. Barf. Yeah. Barf. I could Barf. have been could have done it better then. Yeah. If I'd I mean, given you myself what, permission. You, you said lesbian, very, very Scottish. I thought it wasn't I thought it wasn't bad at all. Not bad at all, as far as I'm concerned. I'll she's really it. good when she's when she does it angry. It's pretty Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Maybe we should also see if I'm good at it when I'm drunk. <laughs> well, I mean that's yeah. that'll be the whiskey tasting session. We'll we'll add that in there. We'll just make you say all sorts of uh, quotes. Just to let you know, don't fucking invite me to that. <laughs> Yeah. I'll be the man throwing up in the corner. <laughs> mixing it, mixing well, it with lemonade and stuff. Yes. We don't agree, Whiskey and I. This was a pleasure. We did it. Back to the episode. I think it's funny. I don't think you can talk about the history or fandom or anything around... I'm, I like want to say football, but it feels it feels <laughs> like I'm soccer. pandering if I say yeah, football. Yeah, no, I say soccer. But I, but I like consistency, so it feels weird if yeah, like yeah, yeah. two of us are saying football and one of us is saying nah, soccer. Nah, nah, nah. See, this is what <laughs> this is what football fans need to do: is chill the fuck out yeah. and kind of let yeah. things go. You know. I but I don't think you can talk about I don't think you can talk about soccer without talking about like the violence of the sport because a lot of like the rules in the sport. Yeah. Uh, and the equipment in the sport mm-hmm. all all stemmed from people being like, well, fuck, we keep getting hurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and great players, like you said, uh, Johnny Brown. John yes. Brown, yeah. John Brown oh, getting like like could have could have been even more amazing if he wasn't literally held together by pins. By pins. <laughs> yeah, 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 like like Wolverine. But like, yeah, but yeah. like, I mean, look at Vinnie Jones. There's that famous picture of Vinnie Jones grabbing Paul Gascoigne's. Like family allowance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back when I was watching it, seventies, eighties, early nineties, you could literally. I mean, we had we had an international captain who was a wonderful, wonderful player called Graham Sunis. Now Graham Sunis won three European Cups at Liverpool. He played for Sampdoria in Italy. But Sunis was literally Sunis would start a fight in an empty house, and some if you go back and watch some of Sunis's tackles, and I saw a couple of them live, they are it's basically it's basically a physical assault. Yeah. 
but you the game's got to a point now where that's just not allowed anymore. You know, that sort of that sort of um aggression has to be tempered a little. You do you'd have the odd match where a fight will break out or you know, you'll get a really dirty tackle. But I think the longevity of a player's career is they're more mindful of that now that you might end somebody's career with one bad tackle. Whereas back in the seventies or eighties, they didn't really care. You know, and you know, the the what you mentioned Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones was a really combative player, so was Soonis. And every team had those players. Every team had uh, you know a couple of John Browns who yeah. were kind of like you know unstoppable forces. But it's it's become more about athletes now. The game rather than Graham Soonis said about some of the other teams when he came to manage Glasgow Rangers in 1986, 87. He said some of the other teams had hammer throwers, not footballers. As in, you know, just big lumps that would beat the shit out of you with no real yeah. sort of skill with a football. Then psychologically, psychologically, you're you're on the lookout for those guys when you're playing against them. So mm. there's there's that like I could end my career playing this this team. Totally, yeah. You know, it's. Yeah. I mean, I I had a friend of mine who was getting looked at to play for Scotland under twenty ones, and he was he right. just turned sixteen. And he was so good. He was yeah. like the, all all the you know the the, the scouts were looking yeah. at him, and then one bad tackle oh. ripped his cruciate ligament, and then yeah. he had to get it all re pieced together, and his yeah, knee never. never he, and he was only yeah. sixteen. Yeah, and it, you lose a bit of pace, and you yeah. kind of you know your confidence goes. Yeah. I mean, I think the modern sort of recovery process for an injury like a, a an anterior cruciate ligament. It, they're much more successful than they used to be, but your mate that would that would probably have finished them. It's sad, yeah. really. Only sixteen. It's like yeah. it's still a boy, you know. Society's littered with people that could have made it, but for a little stroke of bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jack's Jack just texted, <laughs> and I said uh, he went Broxburn Athletic, the Real Madrid of the West Lothian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> He's such a, he's good such boy. a good he's oh, it's goodness. wild that he has time to be their press liaison uh in addition to all of the work he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they must they must love that that they've got like a, a like a celebrity fan. It's funny that you mentioned like the that psychologically yeah if, if you're on, when you're on the pitch you you are acutely aware of the lar largest people who can, who maybe aren't the best athletes, but who could yeah. end your career. Beca no. <laughs> because as a youth, that was me. Yeah, yeah. And still when I play soccer, I depend on, that's literally what I did. Like, and I, what I still do whenever I like play rec league is that I'm like, that's my soccer skills. I think I also have a soft, I have a soft spot for soccer because I'm the youngest in my family. And so, and like you said, in America, there's just so many goddamn sports and they're on always. And they're like, you could have, you could yeah, be in three amount. different sports a season. And it's, it's, in, it, it's too many. Yeah. And my, I'm the youngest. So there was a lot of like, oh, well, everyone played a little bit of basketball. Everyone played a little bit of baseball, like ever, like blah, blah, blah. And then soccer I chose yeah. for myself. And so I think that's partially why it's my favorite yeah. sport. Um, but that's, I still yeah. do, like, I was just having a conversation with a friend. They were like, what do you like, what do you like on, when you play soccer? And I'm like, oh, I just bum rush people. Like, I will just charge you because I know that you will yeah, back yeah. down before I back down. You're John Brown. You're basically. Yeah. You're John Brown. Natalie <laughs> Brown. 
Natalie I'll Britton, that's it. what I'm going to call you. Uh, but then, like, the violence of uh, <laughs> soccer is just because I'm a history nerd and I know this, so I have to work it in here. The violence yeah. behind so- uh, of soccer is part of the reason why, in Scottish history specifically, it was outlawed for a time. Was Well, one, because it was like yeah. King James was like, hey, calm down. We need you to, like, fight wars, not yeah. aggressively play a game against each other yeah. and break legs. We need you on the battlefield. Yeah. You can break a leg on the battlefield. Please not on the soccer pitch. <laughs> yeah. it's that, it, it lends itself to that term, doesn't it? Every man for himself. Yeah. Another fun thing about women's soccer, and this is just anecdotal, I don't know if there's any actual factual data behind this, but I personally have seen more yellow cards be given in women's matches than in men's. That reminds me of something which, uh, which kind of has turned me off football is this, um, you know, the diving culture, you know, yeah. that just trying to draw fouls all the time or, yeah. or when they get into the box, trying to just get a penalty when if they kept on running, they probably would have scored. And then you, you watch the, you watch women, women's football and I find it actually more exciting to watch. I watched the Women's World Cup and I saw some of the best goals I've ever seen yeah. in football. Yeah, and the the setups and the the buildups and is that a famous video? Oh, I can't remember what uh, what team uh, she played for, but her face is pretty mangled, mm. and she just gets back up. And there's yeah. no there's no kind of like pretense of. Oh I think gosh. there's more honesty in women's in women's football, and there's less with the technical term for the diving simulation, isn't it? But there's less of that. I think they yeah. they, they they tend to stay on their feet more. Yes, and whereas. You know, statistically, there are players that are very, very clever at winning penalties, free kicks, etc. Which I don't think managers would mind, but I'm with you on that. I, I, I hate that. It's like I've seen it happen a couple of times when I've been watching Scotland games. I think it was the Czech Republic at Hamden. The Czech forward blatantly dived. Yeah. But I think I think they got a penalty, and it, it just it really infuriates the opposing fans. And it's it, the sport's crazy, isn't it? So for, you know, opposing fans will never forget that, They'll never yeah. forgive that, and it will be passed down through generations. Yeah. Grandfather, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is know, why we hate that team, okay? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah, exactly. This is why we hate Real yeah. Madrid. Why we hate Aloha Athletic, Broxburn Athletic. Yeah, Broxburn. Oh, don't slag them, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never get Jack on the show if we slag them off. I mean, I've got my own opinion on this on how to deal with it. But we, we've got, you know, we've got the sectarianism, which is Scotland's shame. But yeah. in football in general, we've got a racism problem. Now, yeah, we we've have. been we've been trying to deal with racist racism in football since I can remember. Like, you know, trying to kick racism out and stuff. But what would you do if you were a manager of a team and your player's welfare is priority and then they're receiving racist chants or racism from other teams? What would you do? They've got to walk off. Yeah, that's what I think as well. Yeah, and also the the main FIFA and UEFA, the two big, you know, organisations, they haven't done enough about it. No. if you if you're I'm just plucking a club out of you know the ether. If you're if you're Paris Saint Germain and your fans you know have uh, you know sing a racist song against uh, an opposing player from Galatasaray, for example, if you fine Paris Saint Germain ninety thousand pounds, it's like you and me spending a fiver. 
Yeah. And it, the punishment does not fit the crime. It never no. has. You mentioned the players and you mentioned the managers. I think at boardroom level, chairmen and boards need to say to their, you know, their playing staff, any homophobic remarks, any racist remarks, any, you know, any... I remember... Mark Walters, who was a wonderful, wonderful player, played for Liverpool, Aston Villa. He came up to Rangers and Mark Walters was black. And I remember fans throwing bananas at him. And, yeah. the, the, you know, this happened a lot in the 70s and 80s. And we, I question how far we've come because it is still a problem. Yeah. I think if, I think if the clubs were to walk off and the offending club were fined a lot more money and had their stadium closed and got banned from European competition or got points taken away, mm-hmm. you'd see it. You'd see a change because as a fan, if I'm standing three people away from a fan who's spouting racist abuse, yeah, I, you know, I would. I mean, that's offensive, obviously. Anyway, but as a football fan, you're thinking that's irreparable, irreparable damage in so many ways to the club, to the player, etc. But it's the radical actions, the only thing that will sort it. Yeah. And it's kind of shameful, really, that we're still at that point where nothing's yeah. really happening about it. Nothing. It's the same old tropes that yes, come it out. It's like, oh, what yeah. we're going to do is... The, and then you're like, yeah, I'm 44 and I've heard mm. this my whole life and yeah, nothing, yeah, nothing has changed. No. No, I think there was Rangers were playing um, a team from the Czech Republic last year. Can't remember if it was Slavia Prague or Sparta Prague, and one of the Czech players made a racist remark to the Rangers midfielder Glenn Kamara. One of the most offensive things you could say to a person of colour, and it was utter mayhem. It kicked off in the tunnel. It kicked off on the pitch. Kamara basically attacked the the boy when 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 I when I was following the story up weeks and weeks later I just couldn't get away from the fact that the guy who had made the comment was the only person within the whole scenario that was at fault you know his club backed him and said oh he didn't say it, he didn't say it when all you have to see is Glenn Kamara's reaction you yeah. know but a player like that who makes a comment like that should potentially in my opinion be banned for life because that yeah. will then make other players, not talking about fancy, that will make other players think, well, I could lose, you know, I could use lose my whole career if I say something. I could lose millions and millions of pounds worth of income. But these players, I think the lad got banned for 10 games. Yeah, yeah I was going to say nothing. that it's no. the, no. the problem it's is so much deeper than the fans. And it's, of well, course. and, yeah. and in, yeah. in soccer sort of in general, like, it's not even just that the board needs to be involved in, like, how, how the penalties are, like, how it's being handled. Uh, it's that the the boards are often very racist. And, like, the, the yeah. staff, yeah. Yeah. like, at the stadium could be, because there was an issue, there's an issue that comes to mind, this, like, this current, or maybe it was last season of the National Women's Soccer League in the U.S. of a fan of a, a player's family basically being like racially profiled and like like ushered or hurried up to be like you can't be waiting here when it was like literally one of the players' family members and they were just waiting for them yeah, yeah. to 
meet up with them and leave and just because they're yeah. just because they're black huge 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 problem and it still is and it's it, it's utterly shameful i mean yeah. it's a worldwide problem but in my opinion fifa and uefa have yeah. to take the lead on because it. as long as they can still cash their checks they don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah yeah, campaigns yeah. don't work, fines don't work. You have to close stadiums and, you know, yeah, you do. Yeah, and you points. Do. And because, yeah, like, points. you know, because I've said to people before, if I was a manager, my player's welfare becomes the most important thing. Like, yeah. the, the points, the, the playing the game, it's not, it's, that's not the important thing. They, yeah. them, them feeling safe is. So if, I, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If, they, if they were receiving racist abuse, I would be absolutely just taking them off the pitch. And yeah. until until something happened, I would just keep yeah. doing that. And if that's just yeah, yeah. if you end if you ended up at the bottom of the league, then so be it. Yeah, but you then know? the fans the fans would you know they'd weed out those those supporters within their own ranks who were who were doing that if the team dropped to the bottom of the league. It's yeah. it's it's up to the fans in the stadium. It's up to it's up to the governing bodies, and I think it's up to the clubs on individually to take a real stand against it. But I don't think enough clubs, enough organisations, and enough fans do that. That's yeah. But I mean yeah. that that that's a that's a completely different. You know, it's like it's like the whole white privilege, white fragility. And, uh, you know, yeah. like I'm a good white person. I'm not racist. That's enough. Mm, do you know? Yeah. Like it's it's that kind of attitude whereby yeah. you have yeah. to be actively and engaged in you it have to, to try it. and you know. Yeah, you do. You do. Just because you don't actively perpetrate it doesn't mean that you are not active in it. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Is there is there because you two don't even agree on like Cam Cameron, you love soccer and Adam, you prefer rugby. Is yeah. speaking and basketball of and volleyball. <laughs> many I uh, uh you just like sports that you could be good at if you're tall. Is okay. what yeah, yeah, carry yeah. on carry on that. How does a how does does a big ass also give you an advantage? In, yeah, wooden, in wooden these, rugby. Yeah, yeah, wooden rugby. Yeah, you can really yeah. box them out, especially in that especially in that scrum. <laughs> it's distracting. In a, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. a scrum, it's distracting. Yeah, you could literally just be about to score a try, and you look across <laughs> and see Adam's ass and go, "I have to actually physically stop myself. I've never seen an ass that big." <laughs> Oh my God. That is a heavy seat. What's a heavy seat? It's a heavy seat. And then they just stop play for yeah. a second and go, you guys see yeah. that? Do you guys yeah. see that? He's that a is a heavy man. seat. He's a wonderful uh, man. No, I was going to say, Huge just it's like, is there just like there's inter-club rivalries and then there's the whole history within soccer of of the Protestant and in Scotland in general and the world in general, the Protestants versus the Catholics sort yeah. of animosity. Is there also, is there a like rugby versus soccer culture animosity in, school, no, in Scotland? Not really. Kind of like, it's, yeah. They leave themselves alone. It's like birds of a feather. Of, yeah. the, the set, at, at the rugby, you'll see people supporting different teams all mixed together yeah. and drinking. <laughs> like that, Is that a class different. thing, Adam? Is that I, I, a class it, thing? It must, it must be. See, this yeah. is the thing I was going to say. Like, football's very working class, whereby rugby, and I don't know why we do this, but we're already a smallish population of like 5.5 million or 5.7 million in Scotland. And yet, for rugby, we make that an even smaller pool of potential players by just really drafting 
players from private schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you're just like, right, so um, could you imagine? I know some working class guys. If you put them in a rugby team, you'd be like, uh, uh, they're going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it's the same. I've always said, I mean, Andy Murray is one of my favourite athletes of all time, you know. Yeah. But there's probably another Andy Murray on a council estate in Glasgow or Dundee somewhere who will never be able to afford a club membership. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the, that's the thing. I I actually went to Twickenham in 1995. I remember it was a good it year. Was, my la- yeah, it was a good year. My last year at, at drama school, and I got tickets from a mate, and he, he was English, I was Scottish, obviously, I got my kilt on. And I sat in the England end, just drinking my cans, and was like, welcomed. And I was like, this is fucking weird because they couldn't do this at a Rangers and Celtic game. You know, <laughs> going into the Celtic end with my Rangers top on and have a few beers, I'd be ripped apart. Did you so, did you do it to try and start a fight and then you were no, disappointed I that it didn't, didn't work know out? Any better. I didn't know any better. And at the end of the day, I would have fucking battered anybody that had tried to buy. <laughs> <laughs> thing is, so, you know, the, 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 the Catholic importance thing. So I went to a... I went because I'm, I'm, I'm atheist. I, 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 I yeah. don't follow any religion, but Same. I did go to a Protestant primary school, and yeah. then I went to a Catholic secondary. And on my first day at secondary school, I had to wear my primary school tie. So oh, I had to. I, I I was sitting in a class mm. with St Peter and Paul students, yeah. and I'm sitting with my Rockwell tie on, and that'd be the so equivalent weird. of you sitting in yeah. the end and the Rangers. Yeah. So my mate Timmy tapped me on the shoulder. He ended up being my best mate, like all the way through school, he tapped me on the shoulder and went, I'll, I'll muck about with you at break. And I went, oh, okay. I was pure nervous as anything. And years later, he said, the reason I did that is because I'm like, that guy's fucking mental. <laughs> like, he's he's sitting here <laughs> with a Protestant tie on in a Catholic yeah. school. He must be, like, off his nut. I want to be his pal. Well, the other thing is, mate, if you're, if you're called Timmy in a Scottish school, you're going to need some fucking backup. <laughs> <laughs> He was recruiting you, mate, under the pretense <laughs> of looking after you. He's like, my name's Timmy. I need fucking Adam to look after me here. Little do they know that, that yeah. did he realise that Adam is a big, soft baby? Yeah, yeah. but he's a massive ass. So let's <laughs> a just, massive uh, ass. <laughs> just stand in front. I'll just, you know, I'll just keep everyone back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, we're digressing a wee bit. <laughs> Rugby fans don't think that they're like better than soccer fans or vice versa no, they, or anything they don't, like that. They kind right? of just, they kind of. They they're like, oh, of, that's um, weird. You could touch the ball. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think you're either. Why don't you don't, move forward, guys? <laughs> yeah, it's what it, for me. It was always one or the other. I, I mean, I do know rugby fans, but you know, we just. I think I, going back to the class thing, I being brought up in a working class area going to a working class school rugby was never a thing for me and I think I'm still I I think I'm still kind of a little bit alien to how they see their sport because it's just so far removed from what I was you know what I had access to as a kid but you very rarely hear about crowd trouble you very you never hear about sectarianism you know um, I think there's been some racist incidents, but they, they seem to have a cleaner sport than um, probably somebody listening to this who's a football fan will go, I but you know, what about that time, blah, blah, blah. But they seem to have a cleaner sport with much more authority over the problems that, that can come up in football. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. Yeah. I got into rugby like later on in life and it was always football up to that point. Yeah. And then um, maybe about, 
I'd say probably about 15 years ago, 20 years ago, is like I watched my first rugby game and someone explained what was happening while, whilst mm. I was watching. And yeah. then I got really into it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, just, I just love it. I really, really it's love a, it. But yeah, it's, it's a, a sport I never sport. played. No, no, same. It's a, but it's, the atmosphere within the stadiums are, is much more welcoming to the outsider. Yeah. You know, so so I could understand why people would be drawn to it. Yeah. You know, take somebody to Murrayfield to watch Scotland play Italy or, you know, Wales. Then take them to <laughs> Parkhead to see Rangers play Celtic. They'd literally be like, the fuck? What's going on here? <laughs> I feel like I'm going to die. To yeah, to yeah, two totally different experiences in 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 the same country, you know. Yeah, the the people who um who are fans, they they would probably object to that comment, you know. Yeah. They'd be like, "No, we go in week in, week in, week out, and it's fine." Yeah. But I mean, from an ex cop point of view, it never was fine. And sometimes, no. sometimes you, you would get football casuals. Now, football casuals are the gangs yeah. associated with a football team. And yeah. you would get football casuals who would come to a game that their team wasn't even playing in. Like Aberdeen, Aberdeen casuals would come to Dundee if it was a Dundee and Dundee United or Dundee and Rangers or wherever. Yeah. They Perhaps. would come to Dundee yeah. and cause just absolute mayhem yeah. in the street, you know? Oh, I thought I thought you were meaning that they were like... They'll come to that match just because they're like, we want to watch some football. Oh, no, 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 oh, no, 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 fight. Because, oh, okay. because, <laughs> because when, with the casuals, you were a member of a firm. So the, the Rangers casuals were the ICF, the inter-city firm. It was at some They don't sound very casual. Well, they sound yeah, yeah. very intense. At, at some correlation mm -hmm. with rail travel. But certain clubs had notorious casuals. In Scotland, it was Rangers, Aberdeen... Hibs, and then down south, you know, Chelsea, various other clubs that, that had casuals, but they would literally meet to to fight. And Adam's right, they would go to other games to fight with other firms, because that's what they called them. And the 1987 film, I think it's 87, The Firm, which was, I think, one of Gary Oldman's sort of breakthrough roles, that's what that film is about. It's about casuals. And it's a real fascinating insight into a kind of organised violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and do you know what as well? Grown men in their 40s and 50s turning up at organised fights. You know, yeah. just insane. And they, I think they're still, you know, I think they still exist. And, but it kind of died out a little bit, didn't it? Thank God. So um, do you have anything else on your list there, Cami? I've just got some unusual football team names from the country of Scotland. Here go for go. it. Partick I mean, Thistle. I think the Thistle is, yeah, I think that's yeah. an unusual. Partick Thistle. Oh, this reminds me of when you were a kid, when, when they were doing the scores. Partick Thistle, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three. Let's, let's do that. Partick <laughs> Thistle, nine. Airdrionians, one. Stenhouse Muir, six. Kelty Hearts, five. Wraith Rovers, Two, Forest Mechanics, one. Forest Mechanics? Forest Mechanics. Forest Mechanics, from the town of Forest, obviously, was started by a group of uh, lads who worked in a garage decades and decades and decades ago. Hamilton Academical. Academical, seven. that was a funny name. <laughs> Hamilton Academical, seven. Inverurie Local Works, two. Now... Hamilton Academical, I think, was started by a group of academics. Inverurie Local Works, I have no idea what that is. 
Just local works. Yeah, here's here's my favourite. Gala Ferry Dean. Two civil service strollers. One. These are all Scottish clubs at at, at, at either top level or you know a few levels down. But these are all famous clubs. And this one's for you, Dundee Violet. Oh yeah, I know them. Yeah, yeah. They're a junior club. Yeah. But there's, uh, you know, I think when you look at... Who were they playing? Like, yeah, yeah. They Lucky playing, boys. Yeah, they were playing Broxburn Athletic, was it? United? What's Jack's team? Athletic, yeah. And Dundee hammered them. Don't tell Jack. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I looked through today and was like... And Wraith Rovers are very unusual. Wraith Rovers in the 90s had a massive European run in football. They, they played Bayern Munich. And a commentator said when... Uh, Wraith scored in the stadium in Germany. They'll be dancing in the streets of Wraith tonight. Wraith is not a place. It's just not a place. I, I think there was a like a street called Wraith Street or something, but it's it's actually not a place. Wraith. So there's a fascinating yet very boring fact for you. <laughs> Civil service strollers. I, and, love that. Well, I just yeah, can't. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, civil service strollers and Whitehill Welfare were both started, both both playing at a very good level. Those two clubs were both started by government workers in Scotland. Are you, the, yeah. the, I just imagine them turning up wearing a suit, a briefcase, and yeah. you open the briefcase. That's with their football boots. Yeah, hey guys, <laughs> hey guys. I think they wear the suits and the football boots with their wee, with their hair combed, nice, suits their wee and glasses boots. on. Going, suits I'm a striker. Boots. No, you're a civil servant, mate. <laughs> You're just a ser- civil yeah. servant out for a stroll. Yeah, yeah, civil service strollers. How weird. I've kind of decided that we're going to start adding a little a little segment here at the end where I just want to mm-hmm. ask you to kind of fan cast some some characters that we've talked me. about. So, yes, me. so if we were to make All you just of you them. All of them me. <laughs> and me. Cameron me. Jack is John Brown. Cameron Jack, CJ. Yeah, go on. I well, like I was going to say if they make it, if and they might have already made movies about uh, about some of them. But if I'm trying to think of n- notable characters that we've talked about today, if they were to make mm-hmm. a show or movie about John Brown, who would you cast? James Cosmo. As a young man, definitely. James would... Cosmo as a young man as John Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great and, call. And here's a weird one, Ian Glenn, because it's that kind of like red. Hair you need for Johnny Brown. Yeah. Robin Lane. It's got to be a ginger. Got to be a ginger actor. Yeah. Can't be. Or no die jobs on here. No, no, no. But but Jimmy Cosmo is the as a younger man is the right fit for that. Yeah. 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 Johnny Brown. Absolutely. And they've already made a film about John Brown. It's called Robocop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Dad jokes. Good deal. Uh, dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good. Cameron, if is there anywhere on the internet that people can find out more information about you or follow you that you would like nah, to share? Nah, I'm on. I'm on. Nah, um, <laughs> no, I'm on the Instagram, and this will this will make you chuckle. I'm on the Instagram and the Twitter as Rentathug, which was a name given to me many, many, many years ago by my agent, who was like. Well, you just, uh, they rent you out as a thug. That was all I was doing at the time. Uh, ironically, last two, three years, I've played a few police officers, which has been unusual for me. But my whole sort of uh, career is peppered with drug dealers, gangsters, murderers. So I am rent a thug on Instagram and on Twitter. So please follow me. 
I look forward to you and Brian yeah. McCarty's buddy cop yeah, comedy. Yeah. yeah, it would be called Two Angry Wee Men in a Van. <laughs> that just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. Two Angry Wee Men in a Van. Cameron's like, I've, th- I've thought about this a lot, actually. I don't know why they're in a van, but that is almost like the mystery itself. <laughs> Adam was talking about my, f- my film earlier. Yes, tell us about it. Again, I don't know what, Adam, you would say about this. I don't know how much I should sort of give away. But what I will say is it's a a film that revolves around child sexual abuse within professional sports. We had a number of men come forward. It was football, actually, in 2016, 2017, to say that they were horrifically abused by coaches within the system at a number of clubs in both Scotland and England. And Adam knows that I just that inspired me to write a film and it's called The Darker Game and we have a team attached to it we've got a producer we've got a director we've got a casting director and we're now at the point where we're going out to raise finance and we hope to shoot with Adam McNamara in a starring role obviously we hope to shoot some put him in a mascot costume he'll be fine he's only went tall enough to fill it out he's going to play a a chuckling cop at a football match (laughs) with a heavy seat (laughs) We're hoping to shoot sometime next year. We were aiming for the end of this year, but we've got, you know, raising money for a film is not an easy thing to do, but we were kind of daily, we're reaching out to different people. I think the subject matter is going to get the film made because it's a really important story, but we have to be incredibly persistent. And the men, you know, where there are children these people gravitate to so for football read gymnastics for gymnastics read swimming tennis rugby yeah but i think it's really important a darker game gets made because if if even one person came forward and said oh that happened to me it would be it would be worth getting it getting it done but totally it was it was a um, adam's a brilliant writer and has been writing for a number of years but this was really the first thing that I sat down to write and really passionate about it and got a good team on board. So hopefully we'll make a darker game next year at some point. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't know what, where you are draft-wise, but the, the draft that you sent me certainly was fantastic. Thank you. And it's it's a, it's a Scottish film, you know. Yeah. It'll be set in Glasgow. It'll be, you know, 100% Scottish cast and crew. So, yeah, excited about it. But we've got a long road ahead. Absolutely. So if anybody has a spare... Three hundred and seventy-five thousand pounds. Please call. <laughs> Please, Please call, call the number on your screen. Yeah, just wire it. Wire it to rentatog at yeah. Instagram.co.uk. For our listeners in America, that's uh, roughly uh, a half a million US dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That basically is. Yeah. So Good. we shall see. Well, I wish you all the best with that. Yeah, thank you, bud. Well, then follow Rentathog for updates on that. And then also, if you give us updates on it as it progresses, we will also post it. As always, listeners, you can find visual aids and all sorts of updates about Cameron and stuff and things uh, by following us on the old social medias. We are at Under the Kilt Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. If you have your ideas for the fan casting various people that were mentioned during this podcast, you can email them to us at underthekiltpod at gmail.com. Or you can DM us at the two places I already told you to find us. (laughs) That's the story that we've got for you today. Until next time. Stay fucking busy.
This episode of Under the Kilt was edited and produced by Kathleen Mueller-Mason. Original theme by Tyler Collins, aka Two Meter Man. Additional music by Gareth Spin. Original art by Sarah Cruz. Thank you again to our guest, Cameron Jack. And to the girls at Shared History. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.